With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Scooped up. This is going to be a Hawkeye touchdown. Right through. And the Hawkeyes have stunned the Wolverines. Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. Welcome to Spoko Radio, presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. With me, as always, it's Jerry Sherwin. Jerry, are you enjoying Disney Plus? I'm enjoying Disney Plus. And you know what else I'm enjoying? Fans wanting to talk about Iowa football in a any way they want. I welcome all sorts of people to tell me exactly how they feel. I'm here for all of it. I mean, I was hoping we could just steer up this episode around Disney Plus, but I guess we'll talk about Iowa and everything there is. The People's Champ is also with us. Champ, how are you doing? I am doing great. I'm excited for the show tonight. Get some things off our chest, and it should be a good one. Champ does not know what Disney Plus is. I do not. I know what Comcast is, and I have 8 million fucking channels on that, so that's enough for me. That's all you really need, Champ. All right, guys, before we get into it, uh, reminder to subscribe, subscribe to the show wherever you guys get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever, wherever where you can get them. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. Drop us a voicemail, 224-661-0909. My buddy Niall keeps texting the voicemail line. I feel like his own therapist with the Iowa Hawkeyes because he texts me his thoughts throughout <laughs> the week. Uh, but feel free to drop a voicemail. Uh, Give us a thought on the on the Hawkeyes, basketball, football, whatever. Keep them short. Keep them sweet. We'll uh, cut up the best ones when we get enough of them and, and uh, play them back for you. Again, 224-661-0909. Also, a reminder, guys, our contest is still going on. Probably a couple more weeks. Leave a five-star rating and a screenshot that you have subscribed to the podcast, as well as a quote that you want to use to preview the Iowa basketball season. You've got two games, two very different outcomes to go off of to use towards your movie coats, but get creative, get fun with it, take a screenshot, tweet them at us, at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, or at Dave Cray. We'll gather all the best ones, pick a winner, the winner gets an Amazon Echo Dot. For example, just to pull one for the fans out there, in case you're not feeling like you're very creative, this one's from Chunky Lover 53 and he says, time to nut up or shut up. And that's to Coach Fran to Joe Wieskamp uh, before talking about the Big Ten uh, basketball season. That's from Zombieland. All right. There you go. There's an example to pull from, guys. All right. Again, leave those at us, leave those at us on Twitter. Give us a voicemail, 224-661-0909. There's a lot of anger out there in Iowa Twitter, so we'd love to have some of that come through in the voicemail. Some quick Quick thoughts, 30 seconds, quick thoughts on the offense, coaching staff, 
whatever you guys got, send it to us on the voicemail line, 224-661-0909. All right, guys. If you're on Iowa Twitter at all, you know things are heated. Things are hot. Lots of people have lots of different thoughts on the football program at the moment after they lost again to a ranked team, 24-22 to Wisconsin this weekend. You guys heard mine and Jerry's immediate reaction thoughts to that game and to the program as a whole. We're going to get into that a little bit more, but I figured the best place to start is get the guy who had to work that evening his the floor to kick things off. So, Champ, I have this outlined as the Kirk dilemma, but do you want any way you want to go with it based off the game versus Wisconsin? The floor is yours, my man. Take it away. First of all, great post-game show by you guys. I really enjoyed listening to that on my way home from work that night. You guys hit on a lot of points that I wanted to hit on. But for me as a whole, this season, not just the Wisconsin game, but this season as a whole, is the most upset I've been with Iowa as a fan of that team for my entire life. The reason I'm so upset is they show that they have so much talent We know the defense. We don't even have to talk about the defense. We know the defense is great. Yes, they gave up some yardage to Jonathan Taylor, whatever. For the most part, the defense has been great all year, so I'm not even going to harp on them. The offense showed what they can do midway through the third quarter and through the end of that game, and this is solely on the coaching staff for not putting this offense in position to win these games. Nate Stanley showed he can go on the road, he can throw the ball, and he can be effective. The amount of playmakers that this offense has is just ridiculous, and for them to be 6-3 and three is solely on Brian Ferentz and solely on his father, Kirk Ferentz, for even anointing him the offensive coordinator in the first place. I'm not just going to blame Brian because this is on Kirk as well. He thought he saw enough from his son that he should be the primary play caller for this team and to have the offense that they have and to put on performances like they do week in and week out is solely and completely fucking unacceptable. When you have the receivers that Iowa has to go out there and to not even attempt to throw the ball really the the entire first half, Nate Stanley had 27 yards of passing at halftime. How the hell is that possible when you have these wide receivers that Iowa has? I just don't understand it. You guys hit on some of these points after the game, but it's just so fucking frustrating watching what they did. It, it, it makes me even more frustrated to see what they did midway through that third quarter to the end of that game, throwing on Wisconsin at will, and for them not to be able to do that for the most part this season, and especially for the most for most of that Wisconsin game, is solely unacceptable, and that's all on the coaching staff. So my question for you, Champ, because I've thought a lot about this in the last couple of days since reacting to it instantly. Do you think that's a Brian thing or a Kirk thing then? Because Brian was the one calling those plays when they started to spark in a little bit, and he allowed Nate to go make plays. They threw the football vertically. They were moving the ball down the field, which we've been asking and begging them to do. So do yeah, you think this is Kirk fact- or Brian? The fact of the matter is it took them to be down by two touchdowns by 21 to 6. That's when finally Brian Ferentz decided, let me let the reins off this offense and actually throw the ball. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It might be – I would put it a 50-50 split between the Ferentzes. Put it half on Brian, half on Kirk. Kirk might be telling Brian, hey, this is how I want to play this half. This is how I want to be conservative and blah, blah, blah. And and it's up to Brian to then go back to Kirk and say – 
Kirk, we have the playmakers on this offense. I don't want to be conservative. We have three top-of-the-line wide receivers, and I understand Brandon Smith didn't play against Wisconsin, but they still have playmakers even without him on the field. Tyrone Tracy had his breakout game against Wisconsin, and it didn't even come until midway through the third quarter before he even got going. Imagine if you would have got him the ball the entire first half. Iowa, like you guys said on the postgame show, should have been winning at halftime. They controlled most of that first half, and they let Wisconsin off the hook by not scoring touchdowns off of short fields and getting turnovers. And that's completely unacceptable. And it shouldn't be Iowa fans should not just be like, you know what? It's all right. This is how we are. This is Iowa. Fuck that. That's not how it should be. We should be <laughs> angry. And this, and this podcast is going to be angry and we're going to show, we're going to have emotion. I'm sorry. This is what we're going to do. This is what we came to do. And this is what we're going to do. Champ, you hit on something that I want to ask you a question about. You said it was more frustrating when they mounted a comeback in the third quarter. And I think that's true. that rings true with a lot of the fan base, fan base that's frustrated. If they lay down and die, it's just, hey, they don't – you know, Iowa's not at that level. Iowa can't compete with the, with the top upper echelon of the Big Ten. What becomes more frustrating is when they, come, they mount a comeback, they're right in that game. They keep it close against Penn State. They keep it close against Michigan. The year before, they keep everything close within one-score games. Iowa loves to play one-score games, and I think that is, by design, the head coach's philosophy. But I also think that leads to when you're not winning those games, and a lot of times those, those one-possession games, those are coin flips for the most part. Is that, in your opinion, is that adding to the frustration that they're not able to pull out those one-score games? Because I, I ran these numbers. Since 2009, not, including bowl games, which I know some podcasts think we shouldn't do that, but they have averaged eight wins, eight and five since 2009. The, point, the margin between points per game scored and points allowed per game is 6.8. So the course of 10 years... <laughs> They literally are keeping the points per game and points average to under a touchdown. So to that point, you need to figure out a way where you can actually control the games and you're not letting it come down to one-score games week in and week out. Chimp, is this part of where your frustration is coming from? Yeah, yes. because <laughs> this is what happens. Iowa, within games, plays scared. A perfect example of this is when they got an early turnover against Wisconsin. A.J. Epinesa, great play off the edge, strip sack. They get the ball at the inside the 25-yard line in Wisconsin. And you know what Iowa did? They were okay with kicking a field goal. And they shouldn't be. They should put their fucking foot on Wisconsin's throat and score a touchdown early in that game and go up 7-0. But no. Kirk and Brian are okay. You know, we don't want to make a mistake because we just got the ball back. We just want to get points on the board. And that's why I don't understand why they have to keep playing that way. Why do they have to play one possession games? Win a game by three touchdowns. I mean, you have the talent to do it. And to build on that, is it's it's purely your choice. They opened up the game with play-action bootlegs. They started getting the ball to Sam, Labor Sam Laporta's only catch really became in the first drive of the game. Yep. And then he was just, he was invisible the rest of the game. So yep. they went there, made trying to make a statement early, didn't work, and so they go into his shell because they have such an elite defense that Kirk's, Kirk doesn't want to take chances offensively. But this has been my point for the past four weeks. When you have a defense as elite as this year's Iowa defense has been, it gives you a reason to take more chances offensively. 
because you have a defense that can bail you out if you happen to make a mistake. And guess what? If you don't, you put up points on the board and you make it easier for that defense you're relying on week in and week out. Iowa showed that they're able to put on points. 16 points in the fourth quarter speaks for itself. And this was a day that the defense, honestly, if we're going to talk about this, the defense didn't show up as much as we thought they would. They let Jonathan Taylor just reel off seven-yard gains over and over and over again. And the key to this game was not letting him get 250 yards. Like that, That was never in the key. But when your defense has a day like this where they still only give up 24 points, and this is what I wrote about in Overreaction Monday. They forced two turnovers. Forced two turnovers. They only gave both, up 24 both points. in Badger territory to set up short fields. Exactly. When they do enough, and this is the key, in every single one of these games that they end up losing by 6.8 points, when the defense does enough, the offense still isn't carrying their weight. And there's got to be times in football when you can lean on the other end. And Kirk Ferentz just continuously refuses to update his offense to be able to do so. He doesn't want to go and win by 14 points or 17 points. He continuously wants to play these one-score games, especially in Big Ten football. And it continuously bites him in the ass because, let's face it, eight wins on average, three of those are coming against MAC teams or FBS teams or for the recent future past, Iowa State teams that aren't very good. The last couple years, they've been better, and that's great for us, and we've talked about this multiple times on how that helps and benefits our schedule moving forward, but when three of your wins are against teams that you're supposed to beat, that means your three losses are coming against the best teams in the Big Ten, and those are the teams you have to beat. And two more wins are coming against Illinois while they're down, a Rutgers team, Maryland lately, Indiana, Purdue when they're down. It's not like the Big Ten, we always like to say how strong the Big Ten is, but the bottom part of the Big Ten is very, very weak. And so when you have we schedule three game, three non-conference games or two non-conference games that are versus you know non-power five teams plus the bottom half of the Big Ten, it's not that hard to get to eight wins year in and year out. Yeah, no, and it's it's not hard at all. And the thing that infuriates me is we talk about how Kirk Ferentz wants to play these one possession close games, but he doesn't win the damn games. If you want to play these one possession type games, you have to win more than you lose. And against the good teams in the Big Ten, he doesn't win these games. We just talked about how they lose these games consistently by a touchdown or less. You got to win these games, you know, three out of five times. You can't lose them four out of five, especially against the upper echelon of the Big Ten. It's just ridiculous. Not even the upper echelon of the Big Ten, like just against Wisconsin in and of itself. Like, I think the three of us don't expect them to go into Indy and beat Ohio State every year. I don't think we even expect them to get there every single year. But they need to be able to get there once every two to three years. They need to be in contention going into that final weekend against Nebraska. And they need to have one of those types of situations where, like, you know what? If if, if Wisconsin loses that game against Minnesota and Iowa against Nebraska, they're in. If they lose to Nebraska and Wisconsin beats Minnesota, they're in. But that doesn't happen anymore because we immediately lose to these teams. And what's I think what is more frustrating to me is that I can get behind the one-score game. When you have, but only when you have talent that's at a certain level. Iowa always touts they're a develop, developmental program. They're not going to get the five, the four and five star guys, and and compete with Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State in terms of recruiting talents and 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 star athletes. But when you choose to play one possession games week in and week out, regardless of the opponent, you are demanding perfection mm-hmm. from athletes who are 
by all accounts by scouts, lesser athletes. So you need to do something else to make up that difference. And choosing to go into a show offensively and rely on perfection is just a fool's errand. And we are seeing it more and more year after year lately. Yep. Iowa continuously wants to be these these bullies of the Big Ten, but it's been a very long time since they've been these bullies. We're going to get into that in a second because I, I, I want to go back to the Kirk Ferentz thing. This is going to get a little ranty. I took a few notes since our, our instant reaction. But Are they in a notepad I, like Champ? They're not. I am a very digital person, so they're in a Google, Google Doc. Um, but I think one of the things that happens with these types of games is that part of the fan base gets very – angry and wants coaches to be fired and all this stuff. And, and I think champ hit it. Champ said it himself to start the show. This is the first, first time he's really been the most frustrated with the Iowa team, uh, Iowa program. I have had in my own father contest this. I've had a very roller coaster like relationship with Kirk Ferentz. I've had very big swings for him, very big swings against him. I've agreed and disagreed with a lot of things he said. I'm at the point now where everything he's accomplished I don't want him fired. I don't, I don't, he does, he deserves to go out to on his own, however he wants to leave, whenever he wants to retire, if he wants to write out his contract, he's earned that, he's earned that right. The one thing that I want out of this is I want something to come of the offense to be adapt, like adapt the offense. We saw it, and this is the upper, upper scale of this, but we see it this year with LSU. LSU, Coach O, went out and completely revamped his offense to be more modern. And I'm not asking for an LSU-like rise to notoriety on offense, but just become more modern. Jerry, you said it yourself that Iowa prides itself being on the bullies of the Big Ten. Iowa hasn't been, the highest Iowa's been in running yards per game nationally is 49th since 2009. 49th best running yards per game team in the country is unacceptable if you were going to call yourselves the bullies of the Big Ten. But you know what? The other thing I always hear is people people who are saying they they Kirk Iowa shouldn't fire Kirk because what happens if he turn into the Nebraskas or the teams that just go into complete tailspins and can't win more than eight games a year? Patrick Van Dyke at Go Iowa, awesome. he's been really preaching this on Twitter and he's a hundred percent correct. Nowadays, the revenue Iowa has, the investment that they've already made in the facilities. I mean, they opened that that football facility in 2015 for $55 million. Nebraska just only announced the facilities being built this year. So they're still ahead of Nebraska in terms of resources being allocated to football. Recent success recruiting, Jerry, you've been talking about it yourself. I mean, Iowa has done a lot better in the the recruiting circles lately. That's because of the younger coaching staff that's come in. So, I mean, the, what this means to me is that the, the program itself has an infrastructure around to be a bare minimum 8-4 and four team year in and year out, regardless of who's coaching. Just based on the revenue coming in, the facilities that are already built, the support this program has, and just the recruiting that they've been able to do. So, he, like, to me, the big thing is Kirk has to kind of get out of his comfort zone and be willing to push the envelope a little bit more to continue to evolve and keep this program moving to the next level. You need to sw- take swing for the fence, right? Unless you're fine going eight and four, and then we should just all s- completely adjust our mindset going in year in, year out to what this team should be. Because that means no longer beating the Wisconsin's, Michigan's, Ohio State's, Penn State's, and now even seemingly Minnesota. As long as Coach PJ Flex there, man, they might, e- they might be passing this pretty quickly if Iowa doesn't change anything. 
and and again, how's Minnesota doing it? They have bullies on the line. They're able to capable to run the football, and now they have a quarterback that has confidence because he's able to make throws because people are trying to hone in on the running game. This is to me. DC, you hit it on the head. This program is healthy. It's a healthy program. And I think that's why sometimes I talk myself from the fact that Brian Ferentz might be a good CEO slash head coach and not have any control over calling plays. Because I think then at some point he'd put an offensive coordinator in another position that would eliminate this zone running scheme that they are so adamant about going out there and doing still. It hasn't worked in a very long time. You just gave the stat. The running game is not this great running game that Iowa thinks that they have. But when Brian seems to mix in some other things in the running game, it tends to work. Chip Kelly's offense wasn't some crazy scheme that nobody like could figure out. NFL teams, I think, DC, you brought this point up this week in a text thread. Pro-style NFL, pro-style offenses aren't the pro-style offense that Iowa's running. It's got a lot of that Chip Kelly and that new wave offense that started in college football. And Iowa is still somehow 10 years behind and still somehow not scoring enough points. And at the end of the day, the team that scores the most points wins the game. And that's football. <laughs> it's very well said. And I think the, the other... Just to kind of like finish point before we kind of move on here a little bit is Iowa is always I, going back to Chip Kelly point. Chip Kelly he runs a he runs a normal system with window dressing. He he runs tempo. He keeps you on your toes so you don't have time to react to what they're running. Brian Ferentz has, did come into this program and this is where I'm going to give him credit. Urban Meyer was even on Big Ten Network last week doing a film breakdown of Iowa's spread principles that they've wrinkled in. And to me, that's not that's because Brian Ferentz has come into this program. It to me, he's being handcuffed because his dad and the like granted whatever you want to say, he deserves that right because he's he has had success with it in the past. But he's being told to be more conservative with his play calling. And until he gets more free reign for this offense, I don't think we can actually judge him as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to hire Brian Ferentz and you want him to do all these new age things, let him actually do it. I mean, that it, that's what it comes down to. If Kirk wants to micromanage Brian and not let him be the fully capable offensive quarter coordinator than he, than he should be, then Brian shouldn't even be the co- coordinator. He should just leave. I mean, there's no point of him being the guy if he's just going to get micromanaged by his father. I mean, it doesn't serve anybody a purpose. It makes everybody just look stupid, honestly. Here's another thing that just came to my mind. How many of these kids that they're recruiting, especially the linemen, because I think in the last couple of years, we assume that we're going to have these elite lines and we don't end up having them, especially on the interior. How many of these kids in the interior, no matter how, what the developmental is under a uh, development, uh, development is under Chris Doyle, how many of them are running any sort of zone blocking scheme in high school? I mean, I have no idea. I guarantee the majority of them are running some sort of spread, and and it's those type of principles. And then they're coming in here and, and having to learn something they've never done in their own entire football life that's been outdated for years. And maybe that has nothing to do with anything. I don't know. I'm just a fan, and that means I'm a moron to some people. But <laughs> for the majority of us that are listening to this program and continue to inter- in, interact with us, these are the types of things because we watch enough football that we can at least wonder. And that's okay. Let, all right, let's move. I kind of want to get to basketball a little bit because that's also just a, Do we a have garbage. To? 
<laughs> garbage dumpster fire. Can we talk now, women's basketball? Because the men's team is disgusting. We can do that too. But the, end this one. So let's say in a ideal world, because no, we know nothing's going to change this year, we come into next year and Iowa's has a different flair offensively. You can tell Brian Ferentz has kind of full control of this offense. He's calling plays how he sees fit. It's no longer conservative when it gets over the 50. They're they're putting up points, but they still lose to Ohio State. They still lose to Wisconsin. Is that are you guys any happier? Are you guys still mad, still upset? Where are you at if the offense completely gets overhauled, but they're still losing these games. And let's say they're getting blown out in these games because now they're passing the ball so much that they're not even on the field enough to score, and the defense is just being overworked. I mean, I I, I don't even want to beat Ohio State, like we said. That's hard. We don't <laughs> even play them every year. I just want to be able to beat Wisconsin half the time. I mean, I'm not even asking for them to beat them every year. But to lose seven of their last eight against Wisconsin, that's ridiculous. There's no reason they should beat us seven out of the last eight years when we're recruiting the same type of talent, we're playing very similar ways, and they're just out-executing us, and they're just beating us in the trenches, and they're beating us on the field, and they're out-coaching us. That shouldn't happen to me. So if you want to switch up how your offense is going to be, that's fine. Just beat Wisconsin four out of eight years. That's all I'm asking for. I think that's fair, Jeff. That the offense is overhauled and they are way more spread, not still, but still kind of having similar results where they're not beating these upper echelon Big Ten teams. What are you feeling? That means like Phil Parker's not on this team anymore. I just don't see that happening. How how is that related? I just don't see how all of a sudden I was going to be giving up all these points. I just don't. That's the thing. if you have a defense that's on the field all the time, I mean, we're seeing with the Bears to a, to a certain extent this year right now is the defense is always no, on the then field. Then I'm not happy. Exhausted. That means the offense is still unsuccessful. They changed okay. their philosophies, but the offense is still unsuccessful. And no, I'm not happy. So, I mean, I, to me, I think that's the bigger question I have fans need to figure out is what, what do you want to look at offensively and be happy with? And what are you going to be patient with to have it come to have it turn out? I'll tell you exactly what will make me happy. What will make me happy is a quarterback that can actually move his feet a little bit, gets under center. He sends a line, he sends a tight end and maybe a, a wide receiver in motion. And that diverts the defense's eyes and makes them think for one second that maybe the thing that they thought was coming isn't coming. And then they fake the handoff and he rolls out and he hits a tight end over the middle. And the next play, they do that same exact thing. Same look, different type of play. They hand it off. I want to see options like that. I want to see the the offense making sure the defense is always and continuously on their toes. And if I see that enough, I think the progress will come. Because I think that, like we've already mentioned, this is a healthy program with solid recruits coming in. And I think that brand of football is only going to help us get more and more people into this this program because we put people in the NFL at the end of the day. That works for me. If, if we have an offense that I can't tell what's coming from watching on TV, I think we're in a good spot. Be Wisconsin. You know what I would like to be? Not eliminated from the fucking Big Ten West contention with three weeks to go. 
That's what I'd like to be. I'd like to go in to the last week of the season, like we said earlier, and have a chance to win the Big Ten West. I don't think it's that hard. I think with the, with the facilities that Iowa has, with the money they've put into this program, that should be a year-in and year-out thing for the Hawkeyes. Maybe, yes, you have a down year here or there. But for the most part, there's no reason they shouldn't be competing for West championships. I, I agree with you guys. Uh, we'll end on this. This little stat that I pulled up late, late last night, Iowa is 8-18 eight since 2009 versus ranked teams. That doesn't include losses to eventual Big Ten and West champion Northwestern last year. doesn't include a terrible loss to North Dakota State in 2016. But they are eight, and it doesn't include any of the three losses this year. So if you really look at it, oh. they are 8-23 and 23 into this year versus ranked teams and having bad losses like a North Dakota State on there. But you want to tell me that the bullies of the Big Ten are still something that, that this program is able to achieve? It's hard. It's hard for me to see that right now. Yeah, hey, but hey, we beat Ohio State three years ago, so that should make everybody happy. <laughs> well, Fuck and that. you know, we might not be able to win those other eight games that we normally win against the, the bottom feeders of the Big Ten if Kirk were to leave, so... You know, let's not risk it for the biscuit. Sometimes, and this is the best advice I've ever gotten, you have to make yourself uncomfortable in order to grow. Totally agree. Think, quite frankly, that's something that the Iowa program needs to take into consideration this offseason. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll touch on some basketball and try to preview this game against Minnesota before we wrap the show this week. We'll be right back. And we're back. We've already been very down so far this episode let's keep the down downward momentum going let's talk a little iowa men's basketball uh xavier foster before we get in the games we have bad recruiting news xavier foster announces decision to attend iowa state university over iowa and uh really it he took a he didn't i don't think he meant to take a shot at iowa on on but he did but he did uh, Jer, you kind of have a thought. You kind of alluded to this during our basketball preview, but do you think that the McCaffrey brothers have a role or playing a part in Xavier Foster not coming to Iowa? It crossed my mind. I brought it up to you even. You're not buying it, and that's fine. I think maybe it had something to do with it, but I think you have to take Xavier Foster's words at heart. He said that he thinks he has a better shot at getting to the NBA if he were to go to Iowa State. And he's not wrong. wrong. You know what else is weird, DC, since we're here? You put up a poll about which (laughs) coach you'd want to be fired first. And the majority of people, I don't even know if you even end up getting a vote for Kirk Ferentz. Zero. Zero people selected Kirk Ferentz. And my question is, in all reality, what has Fran McCaffrey not done that Kirk Ferentz is doing? Because if you look at it in terms of the both programs, Iowa wins eight games. They go to a bowl game in a nice area. Fran McCaffrey's brought at least a better brand of basketball, not including last night's game, to to Iowa City. Uh, Carver's played in some pretty decent games, and he gets to March Madness. So what are those two things aren't really the same? I will say, getting to March Madness is like getting to a bowl game. So Kirk Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz's highs over his tenure have been much, much higher than any highs that Fred McCaffrey has had as, as the head coach of Iowa basketball. 
So that I understand. But it is kind of surprising after the loss to Wisconsin that more people wanted to fire me than fire the football coach. Correct. So so one so if they get to one Sweet Sixteen under the McCaffrey era, does that equal the Orange Bowl victory? Because that's really no. That Sweet Sixteen is not the same as an Orange Bowl victory. I mean, get to an Elite Eight or even a Final Four, and then you can talk about that. I, you think a Final Four is equivalent to the Orange Bowl? No, no I was going to say Final I th- Four is like the playoff. That's what I Sweet Sixteen. You hang a banner. Yeah, Sweet Sixteen yeah. is like an or- the Orange Bowl is a BCS bowl. That's great, but it doesn't really do anything for you at the end of the year. I would have same with the Sweet the Sixteen, Elite Eight, and the Orange Bowl to be the. Okay, that's seven. fine. I'm just I was just honestly curious because that's what that's got that's Kirk's best win. Yeah, that or the Ohio State game three years ago, a regular season game in an eight and five season. Sure. Yippee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I I think if. If Fran was able to get to some Sweet Sixteens and and kind of build on the success that he has, champ, you talked about this during our basketball preview, that Iowa in January, February seems sometimes like world beaters, like they were top ten teams at one point, and then it all just the wheels come falling off and everything looks terrible. And to me, like I don't blame Xavier Foster for taking for taking that out of consideration and going to the program that can best get him to the NBA. Iowa State's proven they can get more guys in the NBA. There's more guys from the, from Iowa State in the NBA right now. Yeah, I don't find at fault anything he did yesterday to be wrong. I mean, he's exactly right with what he said. Iowa State over the last 10 years has been a better program than Iowa, basketball-wise. They've had more success. They've got more guys to the league, and that's exactly what you want as, a, as an incoming high school player. And where would you rather play, Carver Hawkeye Arena or Hilton? Yeah, it's not even close. I mean, it's, there's not even a real home court advantage. We saw that last night when DePaul went in there and hammered Iowa at home. I mean, I mean, was the crowd wasn't in the game at all from the start. DePaul went in there, smacked them around, and I mean, there's real no true home court advantage at Carver. Hey, those old rich guys clap really hard. No, they don't. They're reading books. I was I was just trying to be nice. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get a little overreaction to two games so far for the Iowa basketball season. They got smacked around by DePaul on Monday night. Champ, what is your immediate reaction for the rest of the, how the rest of the season can go based on just these two first games of the season? The first game I could care less about. It was against a nobody opponent. They Yes, they hammered them. That's what they're supposed to do. Let the game on Monday against DePaul... They were completely dominated from start to finish. There was no point in that game, really, that they were not losing by double digits. DePaul went up early in that game 10-0, like two and a half minutes into that game. And the biggest takeaway for me coming out of watching that game was they just don't have the athleticism that DePaul had, and they're not going to have the athleticism to compete with the Michigan States, the Purdue's, the top of the Big Ten that's going to be all year. And they just look outclassed. And it was ugly, honestly. It, was, it wasn't fun to watch. I totally agree with you in the athleticism point, but I also want to see some of these freshmen to get more playing time. There's no reason when you are being out-hustled and having so much more speed on the court against you that Connor McCaffrey should be on the court. He's a good, knowledgeable basketball player. He knows how to make the right play. But at some point, he's just not fast enough and just not athletic enough to stay on the court. You need to give somebody like Joe Toussaint the opportunity to play through a game like that versus a a good program in DePaul. DePaul's off to a great start this year. 
You need to give him a chance to actually display his athleticism, the limited amount that you have on the whole roster, a chance to play. That's my biggest thing is I want to see more of these young guys, more of this athleticism that Fran's been telling us he came here to kind of be on the court and let that kind of show. Yeah, I mean, Toussaint, yes, that was – what was nice is the end of that game. I stuck around. I watched some of that. They did get some more tick. McCaffrey didn't play much the last 10 minutes of the game. And some of these freshmen did show, you know, that they could hopefully be fixtures in this lineup to go as the season goes on. But, yeah, they're they're going to – they need a – maybe – you know what? I'm going to kind of turn this. Maybe this is going to be a year where Fran McCaffrey – you know, we talked about how they start off hot almost every year. They get in the rankings, they're a hot team early on, and then they fade out. Maybe this is a year where the beginning of the year they struggle a little bit in non-conference and they turn it on later in the season. That that could be something that we can see. I mean, they got do have a younger team this year than they've had in the past. So this this could be a year where they start slow and then turn it on as Big Ten play gets, you know, later in the season. This is this is guys, you guys all just saw Champ talking himself into one of another one of the sports teams live on the air. Way to go, champ! I mean, I ha- you got. I have to be positive about something. I mean, that w- what our sports teams have left us in the last couple months has just been a little, a literal pile of shit. That's what they've done <laughs> to us. So they, I, I have to be a little bit positive. It's only two games into the season. We can't give up on the basketball team yet. This is very true. Jerry, what's your overreaction after two games? Uh, my overreaction is the fact that DePaul played four games in a week. <laughs> and they still came out and destroyed us. I mean, uh, the four games is, already is, is... Is there anything to the fact that they got into a, a, a rhythm by playing four games in the week that maybe that helped them sure. destroy Iowa? Because Iowa only played one. Is there? you think there's anything to that? Very well could be basketball is a game like that where you get hot at certain right times and maybe DePaul's blowing their load a little bit early. But the, I'm just still shocked they played this is their fourth game. But in uh, all reality... I, I'm with you in the fact that the athleticism is a giant concern. And if I was only going to shoot 42% from the field, 33-ish percent from three, and not have that type of athleticism, it's going to be a long, long year. What, can I ask you guys a question? Why is Jack Nunge or Nunge, however the hell you pronounce his name, why is he starting? I think it's because Patrick's not ready yet. That I, I think Patrick's too skinny. I think Dunge put on about 10 pounds. He's a little more athletic. I think they believe that he has like a Jared Utoff-type body and physical tool set. Um, obviously, he hasn't shown that yet. To me, this is Kreener's job. It should be. He's the spark plug we talked about. Champ, he's your boy. Like It's, he, it's already time to insert only, him in. One of the only positives yesterday, as soon as he comes in, he gets oh. like three quick baskets. We didn't, I don't, maybe we did mention it. My brain's mush at this point, but Wieskamp needs to be way more elite than four points. Yeah, he looks, he looks very passive at times. He looks like he doesn't want to really take charge. He Unlike, passed up so many open threes yesterday. They would move the ball well. Wheezy would have it right in his pocket, wide open, and he would just pass it up. It's like, if you're going to pass up those shots, you shouldn't even be on the floor. Totally agree, but champ, your boy, Luca Garza, playing like a wolf so far through two games. He's looked really, really good, and hopefully that continues throughout this season. Yeah, Luca's going to have to carry a lot this year for this team. I think he's going to have to be a 20-point-a-game scorer for this team to have you know any type of success. And 
through the first two games, that's what he's done. I mean, he's been very good, so that is a positive. Absolutely. All right, let's do a little positive Iowa-related news. Caitlin Clark committed to the women's basketball program today. She's a five-star, top-heralded recruit in women's basketball. and She is staying in the state of Iowa, going to the University of Iowa, and a huge, huge get for Lisa Bluto. Jerry, you uh, tweeted how much you love Lisa Bluter yet again and how she's Iowa's hidden gem coming through and, and securing another top talent in this, for this, this program. Right, and it just goes unheralded once. I mean, it was like, oh, that's great. Lisa Bluter, women's basketball, man. This shouldn't be the case. You guys want to go watch a really great brand of basketball that you could be proud in? You need to go watch the women's basketball team. I know Carver Hawkeye sucks, but the products, when the women play, is fantastic, and they deserve your support. They've deserved it for a very long time. Lisa is the best coach on this campus, and I will stand by that for as long as I live. She develops, she recruits, and she wins. And what more could you even ask for? And she cares. She l- cares about all of her players and her, right. and her old players, her, her alumni. If you guys are this pissed off about Iowa football and where Iowa basketball is and you want to fire Fran, half you want to fire Kirk, the other half wants to fire Brian, why don't we go actually support the one program that nobody wants to fire anybody because they're actually good and doing the right things? You know know what Lisa Bluter did last year? Go to an Elite Eight, something that Fran has never done. So, I mean, I'll tell you guys today, it was the first time I have ever watched a women's um, recruiting, you know, video of Caitlin Clark, and it was impressive. I mean, she looks legit, top five recruit in the nation, a huge get for the Hawkeye ladies basketball team. I mean, I'm excited to watch her play next year. She's going to be, you know, probably a four-year stud player for the Hawkeyes, (laughs) and it's a great day for Lisa Bluter. It's it's huge, especially with the fact that Megan Gustafson is not no longer on this team, and she was so good for those four years. But honest yep. to God, question: Is it more impressive that Lisa Bluter with the women's basketball team made it to an Elite Eight and has some Big Ten championships, or Kirk Ferentz's Orange Bowl victory over Georgia Tech? Uh, give me Lisa Bluter's resume is better than Kirk Ferentz's. It is. We said this last week. When we were ta- or two weeks ago when we were talking about the women's basketball team. She is the best coach I'm on saying. campus, and she has been for years. So, I mean, people need to start noticing. I, I, the Iowa Hawkeyes, a women's basketball school. I'm here for it. Let's be the – yeah, we'll be the – we are now the official podcast of women's basketball and their supporters. Even more so after Iowa loses to Minnesota this week. Should we get into that game? Yeah, let's do it. Fine. <laughs> I don't really have much to preview, guys. Is there anything you guys can see, pull from, that has you optimistic going into this game against PJ Fleck after seeing what the Gophers did to Penn State last week? Champ, we'll start with you. No. To, uh, to, be, <laughs> complete, to be completely honest, I don't. I mean, they ran the ball at will against Wisconsin. Tanner Morgan had two. Two incompletions that entire game. They were throwing the ball. Those receivers are big. They're talented. They're great route runners. They break tackles after they catch the ball. I don't really see any way that Iowa should be favored in this game. It makes no sense to me. Minnesota's defense has been improved. They played pretty well last week against Penn State. The only way Iowa has any chance of winning this game is in a shootout because 
Minnesota's going to score. Well, that I mean, sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Minnesota's going to have is going to put up, you know, probably 27 to 30 something points. So Iowa's offense is going to have to show up and not go into a shell. They're going to have to play a hell of a lot better. They're going to have to play like they did from the middle of the third quarter on against Wisconsin for them to have any chance to win this game. But I, I'm not optimistic, to be honest. Jared, do you have anything that you're pulling from? You are Mr. Optimist to most people on Iowa Twitter. There are some people who've been emailing you lately who, who think otherwise. But do you have any optimistic takes to go into this game with? <sighs> Minnesota did every single thing that Iowa could not against Penn State. And I, <sighs> this is so hard because I'm trying to He's find... speechless, folks. It's, I mean, this is a rarity. You're not going to hear this a lot on Spoko Radio, that's for sure. Only, only if we talk about the White Sox. <laughs> I yeah. mean, 121 yards rushing, 340 yards through the air... Four touchdowns total. I mean, what 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 is Iowa? What how is Iowa going to be able to keep up with that? Please tell me who's going to guard Rashad Bateman in the Iowa secondary because our best corner got benched against Wisconsin last week. So if you're going to tell me that it's going to be Michael Ojemudie, I got another thing coming because this Bateman motherfucker is huge. Riley Moss and he can and he can go down the field and dominate like he did against Penn State. Guys, I'm not I'm not thrilled about it. Uh, I'm honestly been staring at the the fact that the Gophers are getting points is just easy money. I, I hate the fact that I can't find anything here, but I'm just so distraught over this team, and I don't unless Brian all of a sudden gets full control and they're gonna throw it all over the yard, and Tyron Tracy's gonna get the ball, and Tyler Goodson's actually gonna get the ball, and they're if Torn Young's busting off big runs, they're gonna keep feeding Torn Young unless all That's- that shit happens. I don't see how Iowa wins this football game. That's the one thing Penn State did last week against Minnesota. They hit a couple big run plays. They ran the ball pretty effectively against Minnesota. So that's it's going to have to be Goodson. It's going to have to be Torn Young. It's going to have to be Mackay Sargent. They're going to have to run the ball. Brown for Penn State averaged eight point nine yards a carry last week. So they're gonna they're gonna have to run the ball with some effect. You 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 guys know what's going to happen now, right? Because the whole fan base has been so distraught this week at the offense not taking off that Penn State had success on the ground. So what's Brian France going to do with, with his backup against Five the wide all day. Here we yep. come, baby. We are going to be throwing the ball a crap ton. No, we won't. <laughs> no, but that's what's going to happen. Instead of what Penn State what Penn State did, champs hit the nail on the head. They right, ran the champ ball did. effectively. Right, that's what I'm saying. That should be the game plan. So Brian Ferris is going to go in that game thinking, I need to throw the ball 50 times to have a chance to win this game. Oh, God. And the defense is going to be on the field too long, and then they're just going to give up points because Bateman's going to break a deep ball, three deep balls over O.J. Moody or Riley Moss or someone's head. The worst feeling in the world is going from, honey, I need to watch every single Iowa game the rest of this year because it's important and they're good and they have a chance to win the Big Ten West and we can do chores on Sunday because the Bears blow, to now talking myself back into the Mitch Trubisky and the Bears and not getting two shits about this Iowa team. So pissed off. I mean, it's it's going to be swinging each week, man. I don't. I truly don't know. Iowa loves, as we said earlier, loves to play the one score game, and I don't see how this game is going to be even one score. 
It's so hard to see. Minnesota looks so good. I was so wrong on them year, week in and week out going up into that Penn State game. We I all wanted- were. J- Jerry talked about on the postgame show how he's been on them all year. No, you haven't, bro. You see, I mean, you gave him a little credit once or twice. You haven't exactly been on them, quote unquote, all year, like you said on the post game show. We all owe Minnesota a little bit of an apology because they're a hell of a lot better than any of us thought they were. Yeah, I mean, they. I wanted to see them against a legitimate opponent. They took Penn State. That game wasn't as close as that score looked on the, at the final. Oh, score. not at all. They they controlled that game from start to finish. And that terrifies me. Yep. All right. Well, let's on that note, let's make some picks. Let's see how we really feel with this game. We'll pick that game last. Let's kick things off in Michigan. Michigan State is going to Ann Arbor. Michigan's getting Michigan's giving, sorry, 13 and a half points to Michigan State. Who you got, Jared? Kick us off. I'm taking Michigan. How how Michigan State blew the lead that they did against Illinois to give them their sixth and bowl eligible win. I will never understand. This seems to be the air the end of the air for the Mark D'Antonio uh situation here. So I'm gonna go and take Michigan. You said his name correctly. Congratulations. I was gonna say you did it correctly. Nice job. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Champ, who are you picking? <laughs> Uh, it's got to be Michigan. Another week where Michigan State is getting uh, – it should be higher, I think. I mean, every week Michigan State's point spread is seven points too high or too low one way or the other. I think Michigan should be favored by like 17, 18 points in this one. So, give me the Wolverines. I'm going to take the Wolverines as well. I agree with Champ. It's very, very oddly being – had the line Every out week for. with the Spartans. It's like, why? Well, here, wait, wait you hear this line, Champ. UMass is going to Evanston to play Northwestern. Northwestern is a 40-point favorite. No Four shot. Zero. Champ, who are you taking? I mean, that is so ridiculous. <laughs> Have, has there ever been a one-win 40-point favorite in the history of college football? The Northwestern – well, Northwestern even score 40 points. No, zero chance. This is so – this is begging you to take UMass plus 40. <laughs> Jerry, who are you taking? So UMass's last several games gave up 63 against Army, 63 against Liberty, 56 against UConn, 69 to Louisiana Tech. <laughs> if it's going to be a time when Northwestern scores over 40 points, it's this game. Uh, UMass is, I think, statistically, they are the worst fo- uh, college football program in the entire country. So I, I'm going to go ahead and take the kitty cats here, but I'm not touching this with a 10-foot pole. To me, this is the equivalent. We don't get it this year, but this would be Northwestern playing Rutgers. This might as well be a big Northwestern Rutgers. And for that, I'm going to take UMass because I think all three of those teams are terrible. Well, UMass did play Rutgers early in the year, and they only lost by 27. See? So that, exactly. There you go. UMass to cover, baby. All right, Wisconsin's going to Lincoln, Nebraska, and they are 14-point favorites versus the Cornhuskers. Is Wisconsin rolling our Wisconsin back on track? Jared, kick us off. Yeah, Wisconsin, Wisconsin this is going to be a cakewalk for them. Jonathan Taylor, he made he made mince meat out of Iowa's defense, so God knows what he's actually going to do this Nebraska defense. Nebraska's offense is absolute garbage. Things are – they're starting to get the pitchforks out for that fake, and I have been on the fake all year long, champ, of that is Scott Frost. Uh, that, that you have. Black shirts, though, bro. Black shirts. Yeah. 
They they might as well wear no shirts because they they're, they're not even on the field. Champ, who are you taking? I think Jonathan Taylor may break the single game rushing record in this game against <laughs> Nebraska. I think it's like 408 yards or something like that, and they are literally going to run all over Nebraska. Jonathan Taylor is going to get 35 carries. He's going to have like 415 yards rushing. They're going to absolutely hammer them. Take Wisconsin. All right. Indiana going to Penn State. Penn State's a 14.5-point favorite. First ranked Indiana. Jerry, who are you taking? Uh, I, I kind of like Indiana getting those points only because of the hook right now. If that line does dive under like that 13.5 range, I'm definitely jumping on Penn State to get back on track. All right. Shampoo, you taking? The only reason I'm going to take Penn State is because Indiana lost their starting quarterback this week. He's out for the season, so I don't think they're going to be able to score enough points against Penn State uh, to be able to cover that spread. So give me the Nittany Lions minus the 14 in the hook. Can I just say something real quick? Sure. It's your podcast. That's true. Well, it's our podcast, so I want to make sure it's all right with you guys. Michigan seven and two, Wisconsin seven and two, Indiana seven and two, Penn State eight and one, Ohio State nine and zero, Minnesota nine and zero, and we're over here thinking eight wins is still okay. Just saying. Go Hawks. That's football. Uh, I'm taking. Oh, and Illinois is uh, what? They're six and three. So. Yep. That's you six, six and four. four. I'll take Indiana. I'll take those points. And last up, before we get to the Iowa game, Ohio State is 52-point road favorites versus Rutgers. Champion <laughs> taken. Ohio State. I mean, <laughs> every week they cover. I mean, if you would bet Ohio State every week to cover, you would have made a lot of money this year. I think they're 9-0 and against the spread. I don't, I don't see any week that they haven't covered. I mean, they're an absolute dominant team. They're them and LSU – I hope is the national championship later on this year because that would be so fun to watch. So fun. Jerry, who are you taking? The over-under for this game is 61.5, too. So they're, <laughs> so they're expecting them to win, like, 55-3. to three. <laughs> So if, you, if you're going to take the 52 in Ohio State, you might as well just go ahead and take the over, two and hope they get one or two more tutties. The over-under opened at 51.5. <laughs> wow. Wow. With Ohio State favored by 50. <laughs> That's insane. Thanks, Rutgers. And I'm going to take Ohio State as well. And to wrap the show, boys, Minnesota coming to Iowa City, the battle for the Florida Rosedale. Iowa somehow is a three-point favorite versus undefeated Minnesota. Who you got? And give me a, give me a score. Jared, go for it. It's a sad, sad day, folks, because for the first time this season, I'm not changing my mind on Iowa. This is still a very good football team. This is our pig. We're not just going to hand it over to that fake, row-the-boat, piece-of-shit P.J. Fleck. He might have this team undefeated right now, but I can give two shits about what's happened in the past. This is a new week. We're moving forward. We're winning this football game. We're bringing the pig home. Or we're keeping the pig home, and we're going to cover as well. Iowa, 24-20. to 20. They still don't score over 26 points, though. <laughs> I wish it was a video podcast just to see you guys could all see Champ's face. Champ, three-point favorites. Iowa Hawkeyes, how you going? Jerry, I honestly think you need psychiatric <laughs> help. I mean, it's, it's this is unbelievable that you just keep doing this to yourself every single week. You baited me into doing it myself last week, 
It's not happening this week. Minnesota's going to win this game by double digits. Oh. I like the, I like the Gophers 31-21 over Iowa. I just think they have too much on both sides of the ball. I think those receivers are too much for Iowa to handle. They run the ball at will. That offensive line is massive. They average 6'6", 340 pounds. We saw what Wisconsin did to Iowa last week in the run game. I think Minnesota is going to be able to run the ball against Iowa. And it's I, I, I don't see any way Iowa can win this game. I think take Minnesota, money line, they win by 10, 31-21 Gophers. So things aren't great right now. I unfortunately don't think things are getting much better. I still think we have to hit rock bottom, and I don't think we're there quite yet. Give me the Gophers. Oh Give me the God. Gophers. There's going to be chaos if this happens. 28 to 17. You think losing to Wisconsin's bad? If they lose oh, back to back to Minnesota? Oh, I know. Hey, guess what? Illinois is coming the week after that, and they're hot. And guess who's after that? Nebraska with Scott Frost coaching with his back against the wall. And potentially looking for their sixth win of the season. That too. I'm just saying, everybody, get hold on tight, because I don't know if we've seen the worst of it yet this year. Oh, things are going to get so bad if this happens. Any other thoughts, boys, before we wrap the show this week? I really, I mean, I hope we're wrong, DC. Obviously, we love the Hawkeyes. We want them to win. This is not that podcast where we're going to, like, root against Iowa. We love Iowa. We want them to do well. But it's just hard right now for us to have, unless you're Jerry and you're just insane, (laughs) it's hard for you to have any sort of optimism going into this game against the Gophers. Maybe they prove us wrong and they come out and they win this game, but I, I just don't see it. No, I mean, champ, I'm I'm very much the what have you done for me lately, and Iowa hasn't done a lot for me lately, so why should I – what what confidence do we have picking in them other than Jerry's opti- forever optimism? Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. For Jer, for champ, I'm DC. Follow us on Twitter at Dave Cray, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin. You can follow Blackheart Gold Pants at BHGP. Subscribe to the show. Share the show with your friends. We like to think that we represent all of you as fans out here on, behind the microphone. So tweet us your thoughts. Leave us a voicemail, 224-661-0909. We love to hear from you guys. We'll talk to you guys again after the game against Minnesota. And then next week, go Hawks. Lisa Bluter is a goat. <laughs> Trick or treat, Iowa City! If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.